Hello, this is Brian McCormick welcoming you to another edition of the Leadership Podcast Series from the Resource for Leaders, LeaderNetwork.org. Our National Leader of the Month is Jim Kuzis. Currently, Jim is an author and a lecturer. As an author, he has written more than a dozen books. Books he has co-authored with Barry Posner include A Leader's Legacy, Credibility, How Leaders Gain and Lose It, Why People Demand It, Encouraging the Heart, and The Leadership Challenge, which has sold more than one and a half million copies. Jim has spent decades researching and gaining wisdom about leadership, and he has worked with clients at some of the best companies throughout the world. This month's podcast is divided into two parts. In part one, Jim Kuzis talks about his life and the worthwhile lessons that he has discerned from his life experiences. He describes his favorite quote, favorite books, books that he recommends for aspiring leaders, his dream, some of his memorable travel experiences, and other experiences vital to his development. He also talks about some of the people who have impacted his life and his leadership and some of his mentors. And now, we begin part one of this month's podcast with National Leader of the Month, Jim Kuzis. Is there a favorite quote that you have? I, there, there are lots of quotes. I use them all the time in my speeches. So that's a tough one to give you one that is a favorite. But uh, as I was reflecting on this over and over, the one that, that popped into my mind the most frequently, uh, at least for this time, is the one from John Gardner. John Gardner, who is founder of, well, actually was, he's deceased now. He died uh, about three years ago in his 90s, but he was founder of Common Cause, uh, Secretary of Health, Education, and Welfare in the Johnson administration, served five presidents of the United States, was a Stanford professor in the latter part of his career, and author of many books on leadership, including the book entitled On Leadership. And he said, Pity the leader caught between unloving critics and uncritical lovers. Hmm. <laughs> I just love that quote because it, 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 it communicates to all of us that uh, we, none of us really benefit from people who are always being uh, giving us positive feedback because we all know that you know not everything we do is perfect. Sure, and we all need to get some genuine feedback about how we're performing. But on the other hand, we don't like people who are always always harping and critical and never have anything good to say about us because we tune them out. So uh, one of the things I tell leaders in my speeches, and I remind myself of daily, is that. Uh, what we need are more loving critics, people who care about us and how we do in the world, but who also are willing to give us honest, straightforward, unvarnished feedback about how we are truly performing and impacting other people. Well, I think you've, you've certainly selected well. I, think, I don't think you could choose a better quote and, and explanation of why you've chosen that one. How about a favorite book? Any books you would identify, a book or books that are your favorites? 
Well, there's a little book that I tend to read and reread at least once a year that I've just found to be wonderfully insightful and I always get something new out of it. It's a book that I think everyone will savor and find uh, find themselves coming back to time and time again. And it's entitled, Let Your Life Speak, by Parker Palmer. Parker Palmer is an educator and has, has written books on leadership, but primarily aimed more at a population of educators. But I find him to be someone that, and I've recommended this book to most every leader that I work with, and uh, I think... You know, he asked that we listen quietly to what calls us in our life, and his eloquent writing really carries you to that place where you can reflect. And I think it's in sharp cra- contrast to some of the really loud and noisy books that shout in your ears about what you have to do to succeed. Uh, you'll, I think, will you know anyone would appreciate the really almost mystical quality of his writing. So I would I would recommend Let Your Life Speak by Parker Palmer. Wow, and I have not read that myself. You will enjoy it. It's well worth it, and it's a relatively short read. It's not a lengthy book. Terrific. What about, in addition to that book, are there any other books you would recommend for aspiring leaders? Well, I'll tell you, I'm going to cheat a little bit, because I think that with a me- over a million and a half copies sold, people seem to find our book, The Leadership Challenge, to be one that would be, uh, that is of great benefit. And it's, it is one of the best-selling books on leadership on the market. So if it's not too self, uh, <laughs> not at all, uh, emotional, no, I, at I all. think if people would want to start with a primer on leadership, uh, particularly relevant to the times we live in, uh, we just released the fourth edition in 2007, and uh, it's a model that stood the test of time, and it's backed by uh, literally over a million data, uh, a million people responding to our survey, uh, our, our assessment, and have been assessed using our tools, that uh, people would find it a useful way to get started. Uh, and then in that book, there are lots of other books referenced. What about um, either a personal passion or a dream of yours? Anything that you would like to offer there? When I first started writing and researching on leadership, I was director of the Executive Development Center at Santa Clara University, and we went off to do what was uh, the first of what has turned out to be over 20 years now of workshops on leadership. And this is with first through Santa Clara using our our new research. And Ann Bowers, Vice President of Human Resources for Apple Computer, was co-training this with me uh, along with another colleague and consultant. Um, And Ann said to me, well, you write about vision, Jim. Can you tell me your, your vision? What's your vision? And with... This is the first time I uttered these words. This was back in probably 1985, I'm going to say, 84 maybe. And I said, to liberate the leader in everyone, 
Hmm. And I have, I, I found that that was the, the, the most encapsulating expression of our, uh, you know, my and my co-authors, uh, but, but especially my vision for myself and why I do this work. Uh, I believe that leadership is everyone's business, that it's not the private reserve of a few charismatic men and women, and that if we're going to write and speak about leadership, we're, we need to not just write to the CEOs of the, the best companies in the world or the largest companies in the world or speak to politicians only or speak to military leaders, but we need to speak to everyone uh, from... Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts and and young people in high school and college and uh, as well as the people all around the world about what leadership is and and how they they can learn to develop those skills if they have a passion and a desire to do so and so I would say uh, in, in a very in shorthand my uh, my dream is to liberate the leader in everyone. Terrific. What about a place in the world that you most like to visit, or if it's somewhere you haven't been, a place that you would like to visit? Well, visit a lot of places in the world. One of the uh, things that's been uh, part of my life, and you'll see this in my bio, is that uh, I uh, was in the Peace Corps in 1967, Brian. So I've I've uh, traveled around the world uh, since that time, really, and been to a number of places, but my wife and I together have not been to Italy, and we, in 2009, are planning a a nice long trip to Italy, and one of the places we're most excited about seeing is Venice. But I have to tell you one other story. One of my most memorable experiences, uh, this was, I think, now three years ago, was when I was in China. I went to the Great Wall of China, and uh, I decided, I climbed to the top of the Great Wall, and I decided... Uh, to, to just see if I could make a phone call from the Great Wall and back home. So I pulled out my mobile phone and called home, and lo and behold, I was able to get connected to family back in the United States. And it, it, uh, there I was standing on this, this ancient wonder of the world, and I was making a call to the United States. And wow. It was just one of those moments where you realize how small the world really is, how connected we are. Right, and and how short of order that, I mean, a few decades ago even, or, or not many years ago, that, that wouldn't have been possible. That's amazing. Exactly, yeah. Isn't that, it's just, it was a wonderful experience. I've had other experiences like that uh, where you just, you're traveling somewhere and you see somebody from your hometown and you just had no expectation of seeing them. It's just one of those amazing experiences. I think if more of us could travel to distant places and and uh, have those kinds of encounters, not only with people we know, but also the people we, we, we meet on these trips, the world would be a friendlier place. Absolutely. What about some of your experiences that have been vital to your development the one experience that I always go back to is formative in terms of what I'm doing today is my Peace Corps experience. I, I grew up in Washington, D.C., 
uh, as a child. And I and I remember every Sunday we used to go to church in downtown Washington, and so we would have the opportunity. And fortunately, the, my parents would take my brother and I to see uh, national monuments and historical places. We go to Williamsburg, and we go to all of those kinds of of historical. Uh, uh, museums and, and other locations in the Washington, D.C. area and around Washington, D.C. and Virginia and, and Maryland and so on that, that were uh, part of the history of this country. And I became, it, it also because Washington, D.C. Was, is an interna- the international city for uh, politically for the United States with all the embassies, we had the opportunity to interact with many people from many different countries. And my parents brought people invited people to our home from many different countries from those embassies. Uh, so we had the opportunity to interact with people from around the world at a very young age that I wanted to join the Peace Corps. In fact, we had foreign students in my home starting in 1961 until this very day. My mother was 92, hmm. has someone from another country living in her house with her in the suburbs of Washington. That's, that's 47 years. Wow. So that just gives you a sense of, 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 of the kind of environment I grew up in, and because of that, I said, I want to join the Peace Corps. And so I did, and that Peace Corps experience uh, was really formative. Uh, it was from that that uh, I, I, I learned what I wanted to, to do with my life, and uh, I came back and was part of a community action program to train people who were working in the war on poverty, and that led then to uh, other training and development, leadership development work that I did. So I think that was the, that was the crucible for me, uh, was also part of the, you know, my turning point in my life. I originally joined the Peace Corps because I thought I wanted to go into the foreign service, but what I found out as a result of teaching over there that what I really wanted to do was to teach. And so I, I, I changed the direction of my profession. Uh, I didn't necessarily want to teach school, but I did, you know, young people in, in high school, but I did want to teach, and that then led to the kind of training and development work that I do today and the consulting firms that I've worked for and uh, the university executive programs that I've directed. All of that kind of grew out of, and I can tell you many, many stories of kind of serendipitous things. Just one example, the director of Peace Corps Turkey, this was back in 67 to 69, the prior year to my arrival, the director of Peace Corps Turkey and someone I'd heard lots of stories about was Dave Berlou. Dave Berlou um, was the founder with David McClellan of, of McBurr and Company, uh, which is a today part of the Hay Group. They were sure. purchased by the Hay Group. And and uh, Dave Berlou uh, was, because he, as a student of David McClellan's at Harvard, also teamed up with another gentleman by the name of uh, Dr. Roger Harrison. Well, Roger and I later became business partners. We didn't know each other at that time. Dave became a best friend, and one of his other Harvard colleagues, Gary Bergfold, was somebody I worked with when I moved to California after returning from the Peace Corps and spending two years in Texas with the War and Poverty Program. So it, it's just 
it was it, my life has been a series of serendipitous events that have led me from one job to another. I've never applied for a job since the first one that I uh, got uh, after coming back from the Peace Corps. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Uh-huh. <laughs> what about, um, you, you mentioned a couple folks that you've connected with through the years. Are there any other mentors who have positively impacted your life and your leadership? Well, my father certainly was one of those individuals. My father was um, one of those Depression-era kids who, uh, you know, had to work uh, in the CCCs and in order to, uh, you know, essentially eat and survive and uh, send money home to the family. He was the oldest of ten kids. And uh, he worked his way from there through World War II, from file clerk up to deputy assistant secretary of labor. And he's always been a model to me of someone who, you know, despite your circumstances, if you apply yourself, work hard, continue to go to school. My dad got all of his education through Ph.D. classes at night after he went to work. So he was a role model for me on on how applying yourself and 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 regardless of where you came from you can you can be successful. He also was the first to introduce me to management because um, as both a a manager himself he he would read and study and and going to school and getting his degrees in public administration would bring home books and I remember that one of the books on his shelf was by Peter Drucker and uh well, actually, several, and so uh, I would. Peter Drucker was the first management scholar I picked up uh, off my dad's bookshelf back when I was in high school. That was probably a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, I didn't know any of this then. I didn't know that that's what it was where it was going to take me. But he was clearly an influence. Uh, I've had several others. Uh, uh, Fred Margolis, who who taught me about. Uh, how people learn and about adult education. Paul Myko, who is uh, someone who I worked with when I was at San Jose State University, and Marion Vitito, uh, John Gardner, the, the individual I mentioned previously, was not only somebody I read from a distance, but also a personal guide and mentor to me. And uh, Warren Bennis, similarly, he was the he was the managing uh, he was the act sort of the um, a series editor for the management series for Josie Bass when uh, our, our book was selected by Josie Bass to be part of that series and was very gracious and helpful in shaping that first manuscript for that first book. Tom Peters is someone that I worked with very closely. I was actually the, the president of his uh, training and development company, TPG, Tom Peters Group Learning System. Okay. And uh, Francis Hesselbein, who uh, is the former CEO of Girl Scouts and went on to be CEO of the Drucker Foundation, now uh, renamed Leader to Leader Institute, and is the chairman of that organization now. And Marshall Goldsmith are just a few. And uh, I would be, uh, I, you know, I must mention my wife, Tay, that's spelled T-A-E. Okay who uh, has really taught me about how fortunate I am in my life and whose personal power of clarity and honesty is 
has been of, of uh, a great guide to me in my own life. Great. That concludes part one of the podcast with National Leader of the Month, Jim Kuzis. Continue on to part two of the podcast with Jim to listen to many of the insightful lessons he offers for leaders. <laughs>